Coming up, a backlist title from the queen of rom-coms. A novel about four friends and a horrible teacher. Plus, our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. I'm going backlist today. Okay. I recently read Ms. Demeanor by Eleanor Lippmann. And if anyone is looking for a light, humorous read that packs an emotional punch, this is a good one. I'm a longtime Eleanor Lippmann fan. True. I've been reading her book since her first, Then She Found Me, which came out in 1990. She's compared to Jane Austen a lot for her comedy of manners plots and feisty heroines, but I think she's the new E.M. Forster. Do you want to discuss that? I do. <laughs> like E.M. Forster's classic A Room with a View, Eleanor Lippmann's novels are moving, funny, biting, and filled with details that anchor them in time and place. And at the heart of her story, there's usually a heroine who would be just fine if she trusted her instincts, but often finds herself in a muddle instead. As we know, Lucy Honeychurch from Room with a View, really in a muddle for most of the book. Yeah. In a really charming way. Yeah. The setup for this novel is really good. Our heroine, Jane Morgan, has a great life. She's a successful attorney. She has a good relationship with her twin sister, and she owns a swanky New York City apartment with a garden on the roof. And bonus, she's got a flirtation going with a handsome, slightly younger man from her law firm. One evening, they find themselves in her rooftop garden, enjoying the evening air and some sexy banter. One thing leads to another, and clothing is shed. Okay. Their adult fun time is spotted by an old prude in a neighboring building with binoculars. Oh. And instead of being normal and averting her eyes, she calls the police. (laughs) All right. Jane is sentenced to six months house arrest and the humiliation of tabloid headlines like lewd and lascivious. Hmm. That's a pun. It is a pun. Things are looking pretty grim. Yeah. Then... Jane learns she's not the only one with an ankle monitor. Turns out a very eligible bachelor in her building also made a white-collar mistake and is trapped in the building for the next six months. They begin a prickly relationship that's a catalyst for all kinds of amusing hijinks involving Jane's friends and family. So their meet-cute is that they both have ankle bracelets on? Yes, correct. Okay. If you like screwball comedies... Pleasantly Messy Families, and the TV show Only Murders in the Building. You will love this book. It's Misdemeanor by Eleanor Lippmann. And if you'd like to do an Eleanor Lippmann reading project, I'll put links in show notes to my essay about why she's E.M. Forrester and my reviews of her other books. My book is Speech Team, a novel by Tim Murphy. This is a story about how the words we hear as children stay with us our entire lives. True that. Yeah. And what, if anything, we can do about that. It's about four friends who were on a speech team in high school in the 80s, and they reconnect 25 years later when one of their teammates commits suicide. That friend, the now-dead friend, left behind a Facebook post mentioning a devastating comment made to him by their former team coach. Each of the friends recalls similar cutting words. They look up the speech coach. They find out he's living in a retirement community in Sarasota, Florida. And they decide to go see him. Yikes. Yeah. 
Reviewers mentioned the snappy dialogue, the dark comedy, the 80s nostalgia, and the rich look at forgiveness. Someone liked it for the, quote, delicious messiness. (laughs) That sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah, I'm very curious about this book. It just came out last week. It's Speech Team, a novel by Tim Murphy. And now our distraction of the week. As you're listening to this, we're on a road trip to see family and friends in the United States for the first time since 2019. Yeah, it's been a while. While getting ready for our trip, I spent way too much time unhappily anticipating our long transatlantic flight. I know I shouldn't think about it, but I couldn't help myself. Right. It's about two hours to London and then almost eight from London to Philadelphia. That is a long time to sit still, even with a good book. Plus, then you tack on the drive time to the airport and the get there two hours early and the drive from Philadelphia to wherever you want to get to. And you're waking up at four o'clock to get your early flight to London. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway, that got me daydreaming about Concord. Oh, sure. <laughs> the magical flight with the tagline, arrive before you leave because it took just three hours to fly from Paris to New York. And that's a six-hour time difference, so you arrive three hours before you left. Magic. Yeah. The planes flew at 60,000 feet. That's 11 miles above the ground. It's so high, you could see the curvature of the Earth from the window. Wow. And they traveled at more than twice the speed of sound. Concord. Note that it's called Concord, not the Concord. Hmm. Concord. Didn't know that. Was a joint project between the British and the French. The name Concord was chosen because in both English and French, it means agreement, harmony, or union. However, the French spelling with a final E was chosen for the plane, which, according to Wikipedia, created a national uproar (laughs) in Britain that died down only when a representative of the British government explained that the final E represented excellence, England, Europe, and Entente. Good save. But then the Scottish got upset because E for England, part of Concord was made in Scotland. Oh. The British politician got creative again and said that the E also stood for Ecosse, which is the French name for Scotland. <laughs> Later in his memoir, he said, I might have added E for extravagance and escalation as well. (laughs) (laughs) The interior of Concord wasn't all that posh, especially compared to some of the super fancy first class seats you can get now, you know, the little pods with the beds. And sure, it had pretty standard airline seats arranged four across. And it had the same kind of baggage limitations that we have now. One bag that weighs about 50 pounds to check and one carry-on. But the champagne flowed from the moment you arrived until you deplaned. Oh. The menus were designed by Michelin star chefs. There was lobster, smoked salmon, filet mignon, and foie gras. And it was all served on damask table linens and Wedgwood china. Before the in-flight smoking ban in 1997, Cuban cigars were also available. And passengers took home gift bags with Waterford crystal paperweights and fancy British Smithson stationery that were all custom made for the airline. That's very posh. I know. It sounds awesome. And also, I equally hate it at the same time. (laughs) Most of the passengers were like finance bros of the 70s and 80s. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. 
But celebrities also loved Concord. Here is a list of some of the famous passengers that took advantage of the short flight. Princess Diana, Steven Spielberg, Calvin Klein, Andy Warhol, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Johnny Cash, and Bruce Springsteen. Paul McCartney was known for busting out his guitar to sing during the flight. Dolly Parton was known to flirt with the pilots. And once, the model Cindy Crawford fell asleep before takeoff, waking up an hour later to find Mick Jagger sitting next to her. (laughs) But all that glamour had a really high cost. In 2000, a flight from Paris to New York's JFK exploded. Oh. The plane's tire hit a piece of metal on the ground, the fuel in the wing caught fire, and all 100 passengers, nine crew, and four people on the ground were killed. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. In the aftermath, all of the Concords were grounded until 2001. It exploded on the ground? Mm-hmm. Wow. During that year when they were grounded, cooler heads prevailed and realized that Concord's financial and environmental costs were probably too high to keep flying the plane. Yeah. The jet required about a ton of fuel per seat to fly. Whoa. Yes. And the airfare was $12,000. So a lot of the planes were only about half full when they were flying. In 2003, both British Airways and Air France ceased operation of Concorde. And now it takes us eight hours to get across the ocean. Yeah. Not that I could have flown on Concorde. (laughs) $12,000 a flight. Right. If you'd like to see Concord, Air France's FBVFA, the very first Concord in service and the one with the most flight time, is on display at the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's cool. The museum curator rode on one of the last flights of Concord and wrote a really nice account of his experience. I'll put a link to that in show notes, along with links to photos and other stories and the books we talked about today. That's at strongsenseofplace.com slash library. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon.